Clap those in that are joining us online. That'll see. If you're joining us for the first time today, thank you for tuning in to Faith Life Christian Ministries. Amen? Exciting stuff happening in our in our church. But yeah, I you know, I'm 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 expectant this year. I'm I'm looking forward to what's to come. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I've had I had this conversation a few times with my sister. This has nothing to do with my message, but I got the mic, so we're going to talk. Uh, I was like, you know, Christy, it's weird because like, I feel like every year normally I go into it and I'm like, you know, really excited and like, man, it's going to be the best year yet, you know? And, uh, you know, going into 24, there was a little bit of, a, you know, trepidation, if you will. You know, it's an election year, which is always like, oh, God, what's going to what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Because it's like everything's good. It feels like everything goes crazy. And, you know, anytime there's anything major political happening, there's things going on in the world. And so I was like, Christy, man, I got to be honest with you. Like, I, I feel as though I'm, I'm going into this anxious. I'm a little nervous. I don't know what's going to I don't know what's going to come. Yo, all we can do is just jump into the year and know that God is on our side. And he's with us. And he's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. So come hell or high water. Come riots in the streets. Come conflict overseas. Come economic issues back home. Whatever the case might be, we have a God that is on our side. And he is with us. And he's not going anywhere. And so at least we have the certainty to know that we can step into this year with an all-powerful creator right alongside with us. Amen? All right, well, we're going to be jumping into this series, Created a Journey Through the Book of Genesis. I'm excited about it. The uh, pastor opened it up last week with uh, Created with a Divine Foundation was his, was his message title, and he kicked it off for us. But I'm going, to be, uh, I'm going to be diving in. We're going to be kind of like mid-Genesis here. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to flip with me to the book of Genesis 27. Gonna switch mics here. That one was coming in and out a little bit, but Genesis chapter 27. And I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna preface this by saying we're gonna do a little reading today. So hang with me. It's gonna be worth it, I promise. But Genesis chapter 27, beginning in verse number one. If you don't have your Bibles with you, the words should be on the on the screen. Um, and yeah, let's just dive right in. Amen. Genesis 27, beginning in verse number one, says, When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could not see, he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Look, I'm, I'm old and do not know the day of my death. So now take your hunting gear, your quiver and bow, and go out in the field to hunt some game for me. Then make me a delicious meal that I love and bring it to me to eat so that I can bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening to what Isaac said said to his son Esau, Rebekah was Isaac's wife. So while Esau went to the field to hunt some game to bring in, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, listen, I heard your father talking with your brother Esau. He said, bring me game and make a delicious meal for me so that, uh, delicious meal for me to eat so that I can bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me and do what I tell you. Go to the flock and bring me two choice young goats. And I will make them into a delicious meal for your father, the kind that he loves. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Jacob answered Rebekah, his mother, Look, my, my brother Esau is a hairy man, but I'm a man with smooth skin. Suppose my father touches me, then I will be revealed to him as a deceiver and bring a curse rather than a blessing on myself. Verse 13, his mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Just obey me and go get them for me. So he went and got the goats and brought them to his mother, and his mother made the delicious food his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of her son, of her older son Esau, which were in the house, and had her younger son Jacob wear them. She put the skins of the young goats on his hands and the smoothest parts of his neck. She, then she handed the delicious food and the bread she had made to her son, made for her son Jacob. When he came to his father, he said, My father. And he answered, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob replied to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may bless me. 
But Isaac said to his son, How did you ever find it so quickly, my son? He replied, Because the Lord your God made it happen for me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come closer so that I can touch you, my son. Are you really my son Esau or not? Isaac was on to him, essentially. Verse 22 says, So Jacob came closer to his father Isaac, and when he touched him, he said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Again, he asked, Are you really my son Esau? And he replied, I am. Then he replied, Bring it closer to me and let me eat some of my son's game so that I can bless you. Jacob brought it closer to him and he ate. He brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Please come closer and kiss me, my son. So he came closer and kissed him. When Isaac smelled his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give to you from the dew of the sky and from the richness of the land an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow and worship to you. Be master over your relatives. May your mother's sons bow and worship to you. Those who cursed you will be cursed and those who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had left the presence of his father Isaac, his brother Esau arrived from his hunting. He had also made some delicious food and brought it to his father. He said to his father, let my father get up and eat some of his son's game so that you may bless me. But his father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I'm Esau, you're, you're firstborn. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably. Who was it then, he said, who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it all before you came in, and I blessed him. Indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he cried out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, my father. But he replied, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. So he said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me twice now. He took my birthright, and look, now he has taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you saved the blessing for me? But Isaac answered Esau, look, I have made him a master over you, have given him all of his relatives as his servants, and have sustained him with grain and new wine. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And Esau wept loudly. His father Isaac answered him, look, your dwelling place will be away from the richness of the land, away from the dew of the sky above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you rebel... You will break his yoke from your neck. You guys still with me? Everybody still good? Okay, we're going to continue on just a little bit longer. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing, of his, because the blessing his father had given him. And Esau determined in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When the words of her older son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she summoned her younger son Jacob and said to him, Listen, your brother Esau is consoling himself by planning to kill you. So now, my son, listen to me. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran and stay with him for a few days until your brother's anger subsides, until your brother's rage turns away from you and he forgets what you have done. Then I will send for you and bring you back from there. Why should I lose you both in one day? All right. We're almost done. Almost done. Flip with me to the book, or I'm sorry, to the chapter, chapter 32. Chapter 32. And I'm actually going to start, um, I'm going to start in verse number 24. I know that kind of throws you guys, might throw you guys off a little bit back there, but um, I'm going to start in verse 24 instead of number nine. I'll do nine later on um, in the message, but. Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse number 24, says the following. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob then named the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. He said, yet my life has been spared. The sun shone on him as he passed by Penuel, limping because of his hip. 
That is why still today the Israelites don't eat the thigh muscle that is at the hip socket because he struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle. All right. I don't have a title for this message other than created a journey through the book of Genesis part two. That's all we got. I'm not super creative today. Let's pray real quick though. Father God, we thank you so much for your blessings. We thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you soften our hearts and open our minds to receive all that you have for us this morning, Lord. I pray, Jesus, that you help me communicate this message effectively, Lord. I pray that the words that I speak be yours and, and not mine, Jesus. May this message be a blessing. May it correct, may it convict if it, need, if it needs to, Jesus. We thank you for it. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Does anybody have any siblings? Most people have siblings? Okay. Is there any, uh, like, um, you know, I'm not going to say bad blood, but is there any, like, you know, competitiveness between you and your siblings? A little bit? I, I, I don't think I had much, uh, you know, competitiveness with my, with my sister. I knew I was the favorite. Um, I've kind of always known that. She's older than I am, so she is the firstborn. Um, but I know that I'm far more loved than she is. And so I never felt the need to compete with her because I'm like, this is, this has kind of been established. So why do I need to try to assert my dominance when obviously I'm far more loved than she is? <clears throat> I got the microphone. I can say what I want. I'm just kidding. No, I love, I love my sister. We have a fantastic relationship. And, uh, I actually, I, I, I talk to my sister just about every day. And if I don't call her, she's like, what's up? We good? I'm like, yeah, we're good. We're good. I'm sorry. I just had a late. I, I typically call her on my lunch break is what I do. Uh, and so we, we talk and we joke with each other and it's, and it's a good time. But we, we, have a, we have a great relationship. But I think uh, in order to fully grasp the significance of this story, we kind of need to dive into some of the family history here to, to really understand the scope and the significance of what was happening. So Abraham and, and Sarah... Right? We're going to go a little bit before. Abraham and Sarah have Isaac. Isaac marries Rebecca. And Isaac and Rebecca have two boys, Esau and Jacob. Now, Esau and Jacob always had tension with one another. They always clashed a bit. In fact, if you read in Genesis chapter 25, beginning in verse number 22, you don't have to go there. I'm just going to read it out to you. It says, the babies jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. The older will serve the younger. That'll be important a little bit further down the line. But even when they're in the womb with each other, they're fighting. They're, they're combating each other. Even before they had taken their first breath, now, Esau was the firstborn, and he came out of the womb first, obviously. But Scripture tells us that as he's coming out of the womb, Jacob was holding on to his heel. Like, think of how much conflict these two children had, where, I mean, even in the birth process, Jacob's holding on to Esau. Esau and Jacob, personality-wise, were, were very different as well. Esau was a man's man. Esau was big and hairy. It says that when he was born, his skin was like red, but he was, he was hairy, like me, because I'm a man's man. Man, I'm just talking trash this morning. Holy God. No, <laughs> He was big and he was hairy and he was an outdoorsman. He was an avid hunter, a really good hunter at that. And so that was Esau. But Jacob, on the other hand, was a little, a little quieter. Jacob was more of a homebody. Jacob was... One can argue a bit of a mama's boy. So on the one hand, you have the apple of dad's eye, who was this big, burly hunter who would go out there and kill his game and bring it back home and prepare it like a real man. And then you have Jacob that sits at home and he makes his stews, you know. But there was this tension, this clashing, this, this like, man. And, you, and to make matters worse, Esau is the one that gets the blessing. Now, Esau being the firstborn, the firstborn was entitled to a birthright. The birthright was a big deal in biblical times. 
In this case, it was an even bigger deal because it entailed the blessing of Abraham that was passed down. God blesses Abraham. The blessing is then passed down to Isaac, and Isaac was to pass it down to his firstborn. The birthright also meant that that son would lead, ultimately lead the tribe. He would become the head of the family, and he was entitled to a double portion of the inheritance. The birthright was a huge deal. You would think Esau would find this to be a huge deal, but what we learn is that Esau was the kind of person that really had no foresight. Esau, despite being big and being masculine and being a hunter, Esau lacked quite a bit of maturity. He lived for the moment. He didn't value what he has. And it's evident in Genesis chapter 25, verses 27 through 33, because Esau, at one point in their childhood, comes home from hunting one day. And he comes home from hunting one day, and he walks into the house, and the guy is famished. He's starving. And who's there? Cooking a stew? His brother Jacob. His brother Jacob was doing a pot of lentils, like how Martha makes. You know, it's all the leftovers of the house. You know, everything that wasn't eaten throughout the week is just thrown into one big pot, and it's a giant stew. That was what Jacob was doing at the time. And he was sitting there over a cauldron just making this hot, delicious bowl of stew. And so Esau walks in after having hunted all day, and the guy is super hungry, and he walks in, and he tells Jacob, Jacob, let me get a bowl of soup, bro. And Jacob's like, I'll give you a bowl of soup, but you got to give me your birthright, though. And what does Esau respond with? Esau turns around and says, well, look, I mean, I'm going to die anyways. And so what good is a birthright if I'm going to die? So yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Serve me up a bowl of soup, please. And so we see that in Esau's mind, the temporal satisfaction of eating was more important than his own divine birthright. He just, he was willy-nilly about it. He couldn't care less. It didn't mean all that much to him. It sounds crazy. Think about this. A double portion of his inheritance, becoming the lead of the family. He was going to become the head of the family, the head of the tribe. It sounds crazy to think that Esau could be so casual, so flippant about his birthright. But is it not reflective of what we do all the time? You see, as children of God, as believers, we have a birthright of our own. God has plans and he has purposes and we have things that we are called to. And yet how often do we not jeopardize the birthright that we have been given by indulging in temporary highs? Like Esau, we too can lack foresight. We could be so consumed by desire and pleasures and what we want now that we undermine our own calling our own blessings, and bring curses upon ourselves. Esau just wanted the satisfaction of eating right here and now. I'm so, I'm so hungry. But we often can be that way when we are consumed by desire, by what we want that's temporal, whether it be, whether it be material, whether, whether it be relational. Sometimes we can be so overly consumed by what we want, what we think is best for us, that we're willing to gamble the blessing of God. We're willing to gamble the calling that God has upon us. We're willing to gamble all of that for just a quick, a quick high. I think of pastors that have been called, that have been gifted with the ability to communicate God's word, but fall into adultery and end up leaving behind a flock that is hurt and in pain. I can't help but think of many of these prominent ministers that we've heard of that, that fall into that. That word comes out that they, were, they had a, a secret relationship with somebody and it's like, you gambled it, man. You gambled it. You gave it up. God has gifted you with an ability to speak. He's gifted you with the ability to connect with people, with, bring pe with bringing people into the kingdom. And it's not just pastors. It could be business owners. It could be fathers. It could be friends, whatever it might be. Put it in your own world. But you gambled what God has placed on your heart because you just wanted the temporary satisfaction of whatever it might be. I think of the, I think of the family unit. 
I think of the family unit and how often we see divorce because either husband or wife don't want to put away childish things. Because they want to indulge a little bit. They're married. They took an oath before God. They're now called to something greater because that is what marriage is. Marriage is putting behind the stupidities of when I was single and when I wanted to have fun. No, marriage, I am now stepping into a new commitment with me and my wife before God and everybody that is here watching. And yet, how often do we not see couples that end up splitting up shortly after because they took that oath before God, but they don't want to give up the childish things that they were doing when they were young? Just wanna, I just want to indulge a little bit first. That's it. It's not a big deal. I just want to indulge a little bit. It's just flirting. You know, it's, it's not a big deal. It's just flirting. It's just texting. It's just one picture. That's all it is. It's just one sight that I stumbled upon when it was late at night. It's just one drink. It's just one night out. And what do we find? That a family crumbles. And in the worst cases, we see children that are now left behind and are hurting and are the ones that are picking up the pieces of their parents' failure to mature because they had a birthright, they had a responsibility that they traded in for a temporary high. Family crumbles. I think of the teens, I think of like those that are in middle school and high school and college right now, the young adults that are toying with alternative lifestyles because it's far easier to go to go along with what gets likes and what gets views on Instagram or TikTok than it is to hold the line and cling to the plans that God has for you. It's just it's just easier, right? Like if this was as popular like who cares everybody's doing it? Who cares? It's normal now. Like what's the big deal? We can be like Esau. We can be like Esau trading in plans, purposes, blessings for something quick, for something that is fleeting, that is here one moment and gone the next. So Jacob and Esau make this arrangement with the bowl of soup and with the birthright, but clearly nothing really pans out and it's not really acknowledged by their father Isaac because when Isaac was old and ill, he requests Esau to make him a meal and in return, he'll bless him. Genesis 27 verse 2 says, Isaac said, I'm now old, I'm now an old man and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now listen to what happens here in chapter 5. Now Rebecca, the mother of Esau and Jacob. Rebecca, Isaac's wife. Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you a blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you a blessing before he dies. Rebecca even says something even more interesting. I didn't even write it down in my, in my notes here. But there comes a point in this dialogue between, between uh, Jacob and his mom saying like, look, if dad figures out that I'm not Esau and I'm going in there clearly lying and dad figures it out, I mean, I'm going to be, he's going to curse me. He's not going to bless me. And Rebecca essentially says, no, the curse, will, the curse will be on me. Just do as I tell you. This is Rebecca, the mother of Esau and Jacob. Rebecca in many ways, spearheads Jacob's deception. She was kind of leading the charge. She was the one with a brilliant idea. Obviously, Jacob goes along with it, but it was Rebecca that was like, hey, come here, look, let's, let's do this. In Genesis 25, we read it earlier. When both the boys are still in her room, the Lord tells Rebecca, the older will serve the younger. The older will serve the younger. In other words, in some way, shape, or form, 
I don't know how, but the blessing is essentially going to go to the younger son. It's not going to go to the older son. She knew this when they were in her womb. This was a conversation that she had with the Lord. And so in the back of her mind, she knew that Jacob was to receive a blessing. And perhaps in her mind, she felt that the only way that that can happen is if she contributes to a deception that would enable Jacob to receive the blessing over Esau. Now, just like what Esau did sounded crazy, this also might sound crazy. But then again, is it not reflective of what we as Christians do all the time? God might lay something on your heart. God might give you a word. God might speak something to you. God might be stirring something in your spirit. But oftentimes we fall into the trap of thinking we need to try to help God carry it out. And what do we end up doing? We get into the mix. We get into the middle. And we set ourselves up for disappointment. We set ourselves up for failure. We set ourselves up to make matters worse. Church, God's word is yes and amen. And unless he gives us specific instruction... God doesn't need our help to carry out his promise. And he especially doesn't need us to carry out some sort of deception in order to bring along his promise. When we take matters into our own hands, we end up like Sarah giving Hagar to Abraham, trying to bring forth God's promise. When she was the one that was destined to carry the promised son, it was her. And yet because she knew that there was a promise that was given, she thought, okay, maybe this is the way that it needs to be. So I'm just going to go ahead and give Abraham this brilliant idea to sleep with my slave. And Abraham, being a guy, was like, oh, okay. But it was never what God had planned. It's not what God wanted. In the same way, Rebecca decides to get into the mix. God told me at one point when these two boys were, weren't even born yet that the older will serve the younger, which essentially means he's got to get the promise. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I, I might as well help. And how does she help? By fabricating a deception. When we take matters into our own hands, we end up like Rebecca, cooking up a lie that ends up contributing to her son Jacob living a life on the run in fear of his brother. Church, when we take matters into our own hands and we refuse to solely take God at his word, we end up doing more damage than good. God doesn't need our assistance. What he needs is for us to wait patiently on him and allow him to do what only he can do. And only when he calls upon us to act. Do we respond with, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. But don't just involve yourself. Well, God gave me a word and, you know, I think this is what I got to do. Uh, hold on a minute. Allow God to work. Allow God to move. Unless he gives you specific instruction, do you not then respond. Until then, you allow God to work behind the scenes. Until then, you allow him to open the doors. Until then, you allow him to work in the hearts of those that he needs to work, in, work into. Allow God to be God. Allow him to move like only he can move. We're often like Esau. We're often like Rebecca. Amen? You guys still with me? You're awfully quiet this morning. So Jacob steals the blessing. Esau, Esau finds out and obviously is angered by this, and Jacob goes on the run. And so between Jacob going on the run and chapter 32, where he wrestles with God, over a decade passes. And in that time, he meets his wife, Rachel, and he has a bunch of children. He works for his uncle. He leaves his uncle. He has a falling out with his uncle, and then they make up. But he also has this really incredible moment shortly after he leaves home. And, short, and before he meets his wife, he has this dream, and the Lord gives him a promise. We find this in Genesis chapter 28. I'm going to read it to you real quick. 
In Genesis chapter 28, again, this is Jacob having a dream after having been deceitful with his father and stealing Esau's birthright. He has this dream where he sees the Lord, and it says in verse number 13, there above stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So all of this takes place. He hears this promise from God. Then he meets his wife. He starts working for his uncle. He ends up having children. He ends up leaving his uncle, that whole bit. And then we stumble upon chapter number 32. And in chapter number 32, we didn't read it. In verse number 7, I'm going to read it to you. It says, in great fear and distress. This is after Jacob finds out that Esau wants to meet with him. It's been years now. And yet in the back of, my, in the back of Jacob's mind, all he could think about is the fact that Esau absolutely wants to kill me. He hasn't let go of what took place when we were young, when I you know, wrongfully took his birthright. He hasn't let it go. And so he's going to meet me, and God knows he's going to meet me, and he's going to end up killing me, and he's going to kill the people that I'm with. That's what Jacob was thinking. In verse number 7 in chapter 32, it says, In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and and camels as well. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. And verse number 9 says, Then Jacob prayed, O God, my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, You have said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted." That night, anticipating his meeting with Esau, scriptures say that a man wrestled with Jacob until daybreak. And at some point in that interaction, at some point in that wrestling match, Jacob makes the realization that the man he's wrestling with is God. And so this is one of the first moments in the Bible where God becomes incarnate in a way and interacts with a human being. Throughout that matchup, throughout that wrestling match, uh, a number of interesting things take place. The first of which is God dislocates Jacob's hip. The second thing is once day breaks and the Lord says, okay, let me go, Jacob insists on continuing to wrestle until God blesses him. And the third thing is God asks Jacob's name. Three things that happen in in this wrestling match. Now, when I picture... When I picture this wrestling match, I picture myself and Judah, is what I picture. Judah loves to wrestle. He loves to wrestle. He loves to fight. He likes to punch me, <laughs> and he likes to jump on my back, and he likes to hit me with a pillow. And if it's not a wrestling match that, that we're having, it's, you know, we're fighting with lightsabers. And if we're not fighting with lightsabers, then we're shooting each other with Nerf guns. Like, this is what he loves to do. Like, he just, he just you know, he has like this... Not aggression, I want to say. He's just got this pent-up energy, and he wants to take it out on his old man. You know what I mean? And so that entails him coming up and wanting to punch me around and stuff. And so him and I, like, you know, we get there, and I'm like, all right, come on, man. What do we got? And I'll get him, and I'll flip him, and I'll put him in a headlock, and I'll get him, and I'll slam him on the bed. And he loves it, and the kid has all the energy in the world. I, being his dad, and because of the fact that I love him, more often than not, I let him win. We have these lightsaber fights, you know, we're going, and Judah likes Star Wars, and so like he'll, he'll, get the, he'll get one lightsaber, and he'll give me another lightsaber, and he'll put music on in the background, you know? So he'll put like the Star Wars music, like the really like, you know, like the big epic scene or whatever, and he stands there, and he's like, yeah, you're going to die today, Darth Vader. Like he does this kind of stuff. He loves it, and so him and I will be fighting or whatever, and then finally I, you know, I act like I miss, and then boom, he stabs me, and I fall on the couch, and I'm like, oh, and he goes, and he gets me again, and he eats it up. I let him win. I don't make it super easy on him. In fact, we were we were fighting last night, and we're we're you know he, he we're we're punching him. I'm trying to teach him how to like throw a, a good punch. Or, I mean, and so he goes and, and he hits me, and I was like, all right. So I you know. 
I gave him a little punch to the arm. Not a hard one, but one that would shake a five-year-old. And he gets hit in the arm and he goes, ooh, dada, you got me in the bone. You got to watch out for the bone. And I was like, like, okay, I'm sorry, Pops. You good? He goes, I'm good, I'm good. And And then he continues on, you know. I use wrestling as a, as a tool to teach them, you know, not to, not to give up, you know, to, to continue fighting, to continue fighting, to hit hard, to hit hard, to hit as hard as you can, because I can take it, because I'm his father, and I can take the hit from my son, and that's exactly what's happening here with Jacob and the Lord. God gave Jacob a promise in Genesis chapter 28, but now his brother was about to arrive And death seemed like a certainty. And so Jacob was conflicted because I got this promise. God said, God gave me this incredible promise, but my brother's knocking on my door and he wants my head. Jacob was conflicted in the same way that we are when what we see with our eyes contradicts what God has spoken to us. And so we wrestle. We wrestle. We wrestle with God. God, hello. Your word says one thing, but what I'm seeing is something different. What I'm experiencing is something different. And we wrestle with God. We grapple with God. And God, being the loving father that he is, allows it and plays along. God dislocates Jacob's hip. Not because God was being too rough with him, but as a testament of his strength and to impair him. Now, why Did God impair Jacob? Because you know what you can't do with a messed up hip? Is you can't run away from your brother. God essentially forced Jacob to rely upon him. I'm going to make it so that you can't even freaking wobble your way out of here. And you're going to have to now confront your brother. And so, yes, I did give you a promise. But yes, you are going to meet face-to-face with your brother, the one that is coming after you with a vengeance. I'm not going to let you slip away into the night. Perhaps you're wondering why you've been struggling with something, why you've been fighting with something. Maybe there's something that you've been, you know, it's just been a challenge for years upon years. Maybe it's been a, 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 an addiction. Maybe it's been a pain point, something that happened to you, something that took place, whatever it might be. Perhaps the very thing that is causing you pain is the very thing that God wants to use to communicate to you that you have to trust him. And so in the same way that Paul said that he had a thorn on his side, Jacob had his hip that was out of the socket. And I don't know what your thorn in your side might be, but maybe, just maybe, it is something that God himself allowed to come upon you so that you can fully rely upon him. Because when we are impaired, we can't go hobbling along and running along. When we are impaired, we need to lean upon the one person that is there through thick and thin, and that is our Father God. And so maybe that dislocated hip is just exactly what you needed. You needed a reason to rely on God, and so God, like a good father, provided you one. To remind you, you are fully reliant upon me. Don't get it twisted, my son. You are reliant upon me. So put your trust and put your faith in me. Forget about your murderous brother. I need you to trust in the word that I have given you. I'm not going to give you a backup plan. I'm not going to give you a plan B. You're not going to have an escape route this time. You're going to have to confront and have faith in the fact that I gave you my word and I'm going to carry it through. What if God's using that pain to remind you to rely on him? Jacob was now in a position of total surrender. God made sure of it. But Jacob also refused to let God go until he blessed him. There is something to be said about wrestling with God until you see a breakthrough. When I fight with Judah, Judah won't stop. He's like the Energizer Bunny. He will not 
stop fighting until I give him one round where he takes me out. He needs the satisfaction of knowing I got Dada. I beat Dada. I beat him in a lightsaber fight. I beat him in a wrestling match. I got him. This time I got him. In his mind, he got me. In my mind, I know that I allowed him to win. Is that not the same with our Father in heaven? Church, perhaps God is wanting us to pursue and wrestle him until we see our breakthrough. Like a loving father thrown on the floor with his kids, he just wants us to continue the fight, continue engaging with him, to struggle with him until finally, finally, finally he gives us the win that we've been looking for. Perhaps we just need a bit more stamina. Perhaps we just need a bit more stamina. He dislocates his hip, but Jacob also held on. After dislocating his hip and Jacob refusing to, to let go, God asked Jacob his name. He asks him his name, and why does he do so? Well, when Jacob stole Esau's birthright and Isaac asked for his name, Jacob lied. He lied. He had the fur on his hands, he had it on his neck, he had his brother's clothes on, and when Isaac said, who is this, who is this, my son? Jacob told his dad, it's Esau. This time, God was going to impart the blessing, but he wanted Jacob to come as he was. He wanted Jacob to come as he was, afraid, exhausted, anxious for what's to come, the deceptive brother, the lying brother, the one with the inferiority complex, the liar, the guy on the run, the second born, Jacob. And so he answered the Lord and he gave him his real name this time. He said, Jacob. And God blessed him and changed his name to Israel. Church, we can be like Esau, we can be short sighted. We could be like Rebecca, trying to make things happen in our own way, trying to help God along. We could be like Jacob, deceptive and wrestling. Or maybe we could just be like all three in one, you know, in just one package. And if that's the case, then I think there's much to learn from each person. If you're hearing the message this morning and you're like Esau, remember your birthright. Remember not to gamble or barter with the promise that God has for you for a temporary high. Don't give it up. What God has instilled in you is far greater than anything you can acquire in the world. If you're like Rebecca, allow God to be God and do what only he can do. Allow God to be God. Don't get in the middle of it. If God gave you a promise, hold on to that promise, but wait patiently. Don't get overzealous and jump the gun because you might just end up meddling with things, with, meddling with things that you shouldn't have been meddling with. Allow God to be God. And if you're like Jacob, then keep wrestling until you see your, until you see your blessing. And don't forget that some of your greatest pains are often a reminder to continue to lean into your father. Finally, in the same way that God asked Jacob's name, in the same way that God said, what is your name? I ask you this morning, what's your name? Are you Esau? Are you Rebecca? Are you like Jacob? Are you like all three? I'm Ricky. I'm, I'm like all three. I'm the short-sighted one. I could be the unfaithful one. I could be the wrestling and the struggling one. But just as God appeared to Jacob, I believe God is saying, what's your name? In other words, come as you are. Give me the real you and allow God to impart a blessing. Would you stand with me this morning? There is a, there's so much in this story. 
I mean, it's so rich. It's so dense with um, just lessons for, for us. And I, and I love the fact that we can identify ourselves. We could see ourselves in, in, I mean, any one of those characters. I mean, all of them, you know. I love the fact how despite their flaws and despite their issues, God works in the lives of those, of those people. He never fails to do so. But that doesn't take away from the fact that we ought to take, we ought to, you know, heed the wisdom that we, that we get from these stories and understand that, yeah, like Esau, don't, don't give up your birthright. Don't give up those plans and promises. Like Rebecca, why don't you just trust God? Like Jacob, trust God. And like Jacob, wrestle with God. God is okay with us wrestling with him. In the same way that a father is okay wrestling with his boy. I believe God invites that. I believe he'd rather us wrestle with him than try and walk away. I believe he'd rather us come into his midst, into his presence and say, God, I'm struggling here, man. I'm struggling. Because what I see and what I feel and what I know, it's all, it's all in conflict with one another. And God allows you to wrestle. And so I urge you, if you're wrestling with God, perhaps, continue to wrestle. Don't get tired of wrestling. Wrestle and hold on to him until you see the breakthrough in the same way that Jacob did. Continue fighting. Continue fighting. And understand that sometimes you come out of a fight with the Lord, not un you don't come out unscathed. Jacob didn't come out unscathed. Jacob came out hobbling, but that hobble was in many ways a blessing because who knows if once his brother approached, he would have found the nearest exit to get out of there. But God in his mercy gave him a reason not to be able to, to, to hobble away. And so perhaps whatever it is that's causing you to hobble this morning, maybe it's something God himself put it there so that you can continue to rely and trust upon him. I don't know who you identify with in this story, but I hope it's all three. I hope it's at least one of them but I know that God is moving and I pray, I pray that you hear the word of God and, and, and listen to the wisdom and hear the stories and see what took place and see the results of actions that were taken and apply good, sound wisdom to your life. Amen? Let's bow our heads this morning. I wanna, I wanna pray for you. And then I know that um, once I'm done, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, do communion together as a, as a family. <clears throat> With every eye close and with every head bowed, I want, you to, I want you to raise your hand if you can be honest and say, look, I, I feel like I, I identify with one of those characters that we read today. Like, I feel like I'm, I've been like Esau. I've been like Rebecca. I've been like Jacob. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm actively like one of those people right now. If that's you, I, I appreciate you raising your hand. I want to I wanna pray with you real quick. Father God, I, I thank you, Lord, for the boldness of those that rose their hands to acknowledge the fact that maybe they've been uh, gambling their birthright, gambling the calling upon their lives like Esau did, Lord, for a short temporary high. Father God, I ask for your forgiveness, Lord, if we have been uh, uh, willy-nilly with what you have placed upon our hearts, Father, if we have been flippant with the plans and purposes that you have for us, Jesus. I ask for your forgiveness, Lord. God, for those that have been like Rebecca, that have not trusted you, that have been trying to uh, push along the plans and purposes that you have in our own will, and our own might, Father God, I pray that we fall back, Lord, and we begin to trust you as we should have from the very beginning, Lord. God, if we are like Jacob, Lord, I pray for those that are wrestling with you right now, Lord. I pray that you give them stamina if they are wrestling with you. I pray, Father God, that they realize that there is a blessing to be had when we wrestle with our God in heaven, that it is not a bad thing to wrestle with you, Father, but rather that you allow us to wrestle with you, Lord, and that we come out of it sometimes not unscathed, Lord, but we sometimes come out of it and we might be hobbling a little bit, Lord, but we come out of it with a blessing, Lord. And so I pray that you encourage and bolster those that might be identifying with any one of these uh, particular characters, Father. I pray that they continue to have stamina and continue to follow you as they pursue your plans and as they pursue your purposes, Lord, in their lives. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you're doing. We thank you that you're stirring something new in this church, Father God. We thank you that the best days are ahead, Lord. We thank you that we're hitting 20 years, Lord, and we are excited, Father. And maybe we've been wrestling, Lord, and we've been wrestling in the ministry, Father God, but we're going to see that blessing, Lord. We're going to see that breakthrough, Father God. We're not coming out of it without scratches and bumps and bruises because God knows there's been a ton of those, Lord, but we are coming out of it, Lord, knowing that you have been in the midst of it and we, have, we are be better because of it, Lord. And so we thank you for the blessing, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is to be able to wrestle with you, God. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. I want to call up my father real quick as we do. Communion. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the ushers to come up and as we pass out the uh, communion this morning. Hallelujah. Let's get ready for communion this morning. What a, what a powerful word. What an on-time word. Glory to God. Continue to wrestle. Continue to wrestle. Don't never throw in the towel. I like the way that he identified uh, my grandson Judah, that he doesn't throw in the towel. He continues to fight, and that's what we need to do. We need to continue to fight. Nobody ever said that the fight was going to be easy. Amen? We all struggle in different areas of our life. Uh, maybe you say, well, Pastor, you know what? Uh, that was my past, and I'm not struggling now. Well, you know what? Glory to God that that was your past, but there's some that are probably struggling. Probably some that are struggling right now. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the only one that will help you in that struggle and the only one that will bring peace to that storm that you're in, the only one that would free you from that addiction that you're in, the only one that will... Uh, restore your life and give you peace, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. No one else. No one else. If there's something that you're struggling with this morning, it's time to give it to the Lord. Turn it over and ask the Lord to set you free, whatever bondage it might be in your life. If you say, Pastor, I've been struggling for years in drugs. Uh, uh, those that are watching online right now, if you say, uh, Pastor, I've been struggling all my life with drugs and addicted to drugs. I, I, I was off. I was off drugs for quite some time, and I came back again. I, I went through a program, and I thought that program was going to work out. And after six months that I was there in the program, I came back out, and I, and I confronted my old friends, and, and I'm back on it again. I'm telling you right now that the only one that's going to set you free, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Jesus is not a program. Jesus is a relationship. Maybe you've been struggling in some areas in your life that you've been dealing with pornography for the longest time, and then you say, Pastor, you know what? I had this lock on my computer, and I had somebody uh, that was being my, my apprentice, and he was watching everything that I was doing online, but it got to a point that I went someplace else and opened another computer, and everything was there. You know what? The only one that's going to heal you from that and set you free from that, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. It's not another program. It's not another system that you got to buy for your computer. What you need to confront, it's the blood of Jesus Christ. Accept Jesus as your Savior. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning, right now, even before we take communion. You never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you said, Lord, I... I've, 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 I've heard about you so many times. I've, I've heard so many preachings. I've, I've heard people that come into my life and have spoken to me about Jesus, but I ignored it because I thought that I was going to be able to do it by myself. I'm here to tell you that you And Jesus is just waiting right now for you to knock on that door. Open that door and let him in. He's knocking. He's knocking. If that's you this morning, would you just lift up your hand if, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You say, Pastor, I've been I've been dealing with stuff. I've been struggling. I, I I've been I've been wrestling with the Lord. If that's you this morning, just lift up your hand because I want to pray for you. I want God to set you free. I want God to set you free. Maybe you're watching me right now and you're saying, Pastor, I need a savior. I'm going to give you this opportunity. I want the, the entire church to say this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord, that I need your Son as my Savior. I've done things my way all my life.
And I'm willing to surrender right now. Surrender everything to you, Lord. Right now, this moment. And I ask you to come into my heart. Holy Spirit, help me to walk each and every day. Remove these thoughts from my mind. Remove this temptation from my life. Open my eyes to what I need to see. And close my eyes to what I'm not supposed to see. Touch my heart, Lord. I ask you to forgive me right now, Lord. And I accept your son as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. If you made that prayer for the first time, make sure that you send us an email and let us know that you accepted Jesus January 14th. We will tell you what your next step is. And I tell you what, this is the best day of your life. This is the best day of your life if you've made that prayer. We're going to have communion right now. And it says in the book of, uh, of Matthew, chapter 26, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, for this is my body. Take and eat, for this is my body. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son Jesus on the cross. Father, thank you that you might have messed it up a million times, Lord, but once we come to you, Lord, we accept your Son as our Savior. It's that blood of your Son that sets us free. So, Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus, on the cross. That we are free right now. We're free today because of that ultimate sacrifice. Let's partake of the blood. Then he took the cup after giving thanks and gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood that establishes the covenant It is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. It is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. I want to let you know that there's no specific sin right there in the Word of God, but it's the sense for the forgiveness of sins. So regardless of what you've done, the blood of Jesus covers that sin. And that's what we need to understand. That it's only through the blood of Christ that we have forgiveness. It's only through the sacrifice on the cross that we have a Savior. A Savior that has made the way for you and I to have eternal life. Eternal life that the day that our Heavenly Father calls us home, there's a place prepared for us. You don't have to wonder about it. It's in the Word of God. It's the promises that we have. And the most important thing that we need to do is accept them. But that blood that was shed on Calvary, for our sin, for our infirmities, sickness, whatever it might be, the blood of Christ has the power to redeem you, to heal you, and to set you free. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the precious blood of your Son, Jesus. We partake of this cup and we remember the sacrifice of your Son on the cross. May we remember we have a little. May we remember everything that loves us so much. And he gave everything for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Before we close this morning, I'm going to ask you to do prayer or whatever it might be. Just come up right now because I want to pray for you. Prayer for whatever it might be. You need healing in your body. Just step forward. I want to pray for you. If you need strength, if you're, if you're, I hope that you're all fasting right now. If you say, Pastor, I'm praying for this. I want to come in agreement with you. 
whatever it might be. Is anybody anybody need prayer this morning? All good. Glory to God. Glory to God. Going once, going twice. Praise God. Father, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. We thank you for your blessing, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your word, Father. We thank you that we see in your word, Father, that we must continue on, Lord, and not give up. Even in the middle of a struggle, Lord, we know that at the end we'll be victorious as we, as we continue to trust you. Some of us might be going through something right now, Lord. And I pray that you would give us supernatural strength, Lord, to endure all the way to the end, Lord, and to trust that we will have that breakthrough. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the word that came forth. And I pray a blessing upon everybody, Lord Jesus, right now. I pray that the windows of heaven will be open for them, Lord. Father, that you would give them the opportunity, Lord, to share this work with someone with you, Father. Bless them right now, Father. Amen and amen. Hug someone before you leave. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.